Welcome back to Into the Unknown. In this episode, we bring on Mr. Prince Hastrup. We talk about where he grew up, what his career path was like getting into physiotherapy. We ask him, what do people ask you when you go to a party and what do they want to know? Challenges that he's faced in studying, in his career, and also just in sports. What his most important lessons are and who he looks up to in the industry. So all that and more in this episode of Into the Unknown. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humour, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Sue. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. Welcome back to Into the Unknown. On today's podcast, we bring on Mr. Prince Hastrup. Prince is a qualified musculoskeletal physiotherapist, having not one, but two undergraduate degrees, one from South Bank University in Sport and Exercise Science, and one from the prestigious King's College London, where he studied physiotherapy. This is also consequently where we met at the gym, having been introduced by a mutual and very close friend of ours, Alex Cave, or as she's colloquially unknown, Coach Sprout. Um, Prince is probably one of my oldest and closest friends. And over the years, I've not only had the pleasure of coaching him, um, but also having him as a fountain of knowledge on aspects of physiotherapy and also just life in general. Uh, he's got just under two years of experience working within the private healthcare at Vanborough Physio Clinic, and he's recently just moved into a locum position at the NHS in a role that I think is much better suited to him and his personality. Prince, thank you so much for coming on and giving up your time. I know you're already you're you're actually at the clinic right now, so that just he's literally how sat in his your office. schedule is. Yeah, um, yeah. How are you doing, dude? It's it's been a while, actually. We haven't we haven't caught up for a little while, and and now we're just catching up and getting you on the podcast. So how are you doing? I'm doing well, and thanks for the intro. That's I have to admit that's like a solid like nine out of ten for effort with the intro. Thank you. The only thing that's missing <laughs> from that is the one where you pronounce my last name wrong. I know. <laughs> I always do. Some some close friend. Some I, close I friend always do. I, I don't think I've ever got it right. Listen, it's all right don't worry I apologize. I against you yeah go on you can correct me now and then at least people will know how to pronounce it correctly Hastrop. there we go see i told you i just <laughs> see whenever i see it i think stroop waffle which is why i say Hastrop. <laughs> and i'm like but that doesn't make sense but in my mind it does anyway always thinking about food a lot of things make sense in your mind yeah, that's, I mean, that's very, very true. <laughs> so what I wanted to start off with, really, just to kind of get the ball rolling is where did you grow up um, and how did that affect kind of who you've become um, and kind of what drew you into a path of being a physiotherapist? I know that's a very big question to start off straight off the bat, but listen, we're about just getting down to the nitty gritty. So um Let's hear it, mate. It's fine. I like a challenge anyway. <laughs> so, so with me starting with everything, I grew up in London. I've been born and raised all my life. Um, the accent doesn't necessarily come across as it, but I'm from Woolwich. And a lot of people may know it's a bit run down. It's not the, hasn't been always known as the best area to say, but it's all cool home at least. Um, and I was brought up by my mum there uh, and also lived with my sister, etc. So it's just been my mum, my sister really mainly. And then I'd see my brother every now and then as well. Um, but then with the whole journey into physio, it's quite a long one. As you've already said, I've got a mix of qualifications. I've done a lot of studying. Yeah. But it hasn't necessarily always been in the clinical side of things. So I finished secondary school, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so then 
my friend suggested at the time, oh, you could do a catering course. I was like, great, I can do that. It's a life skill. It's pretty easy to get a job in catering. So I jo uh, joined him on the course at Shooters Hill post 16. And then about a week or two afterwards, he left the course. So I was on the course by myself. I was like, you know what? I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'll just go for it and then see what happens. So then done the NVQ for three years. Done the first year was okay. Second year, loved it. Was actually really getting into the hang of things. And then the third year, I absolutely hated it. It just got to the point where just wasn't finding as much passion as I thought I would for it. And then with catering, you know as well from doing some cooking side of things too that it's horrible hours it's not the best work environment at times per se you have some really good places but it's really poor wage really long hours there from crack of dawn to late yeah. at night usually and then I was thinking about what else I could do so had a bit of a dig um, and a bit of self-exploration um <laughs> So <laughs> I realized that I was actually interested in quite a few things. So there was psychology that I was kind of interested in. I was like, okay, I could go into counseling. But then I didn't really feel like it would have been healthy for me, I guess. Because yeah. I do want to help people, but not necessarily to that mental state side of things. And I mm -hmm. feel like if I did do that, it would have actually impacted me in quite a negative way from it. So then I had another look around at things. It's like, okay, could do forensics. It's still science. I've always been a kind of sciencey person. Um, <laughs> and then actually thought about it a bit more. And when you're on the forensic side of things, you do have various parts of it, but then you're having to deal with more the horrific deaths. People aren't necessarily being left in the best state after a crime. Yeah. And that, again, I don't feel like would have been the best for me either. So then I had a real thing for quite a long time. It was like a good six months I was thinking about all of this and realized actually I was into the fitness side of things enjoyed like exercising and actually the more I enjoyed exercise I was more I was wanting to actually look into the science of it so then after thinking about it about it and then realizing that actually the science more sciencey roots is what I was looking for I could either have gone into neurophysiology biomechanics so both research base or um physiotherapy and to do all that I still needs a degree so then it was just figuring out which degree would have been best for me at the time yeah so rather than set into stone of doing like i don't know a, a neurology based degree or something else i decided to do the sports exercise science degree to get to that point i still had no a levels mm -hmm. i still have no a levels so i had to do access to higher education at the time in sports exercise for a year which i've done at greenwich community college that went well then done the sports science degree and then when i was nearer to the end of that degree after the three years i still wasn't too sure whether i was wanting to go down a b c or even down the fitness instructor and pt route so then um got approached by my um re dissertation supervisor um who suggested i do an internship with him for three months mm. which i found was actually really helpful this site all the stuff that i learned for it was great but i also realized that I was not really into the research side of things as much. Mm. Like research is important. I just didn't feel like it was something that I would have wanted to pursue as a career to that level. So then 
realize that actually okay physiotherapy is what i'm more wanted to do i get to help people still get the sciencey side of things still continual learning side of things as well and then uh, worked in a gp practice for two years that went really well there's a lot of horror stories and good stories from there as well <laughs> um and then applied for physiotherapy at king's i actually didn't get in the first time I tried. I screwed up on one of the interview questions um, for the MSc I was applying for at the time, um, the pre-reg, because you can do either in the UK, you can either do a two-year pre-registration qualification for it, or you can do a bachelor's that is three years. They're both the yeah. same thing. It's just condensed into two years of the master's. Um, so then since I didn't get in that time, went to apply the second time and there it was also the time when the funding was a bit here there everywhere they didn't know what was going on since the bursary got um um taken away and then um it all got sorted out in the end with um, student um finance england um and then applied for the bachelor's which i did get into the following year mm. and then done that for three years I was just glutton for punishment at that point <laughs> and then um, finally graduated again got to wear the gown um, King don't interestingly have the graduation cap at all though for the bachelors which I was surprised about and then um, works at the private practice for the year and then here I am here there we go you've just summarised what feels like a lifetime, but it's only I was gonna me. say hang on before before we move on, like <laughs> first of all, I didn't realise you did so many years of education before entering the field of physiotherapy. How old are you, man? <laughs> it's rude to ask a man that question. <laughs> How old do you think I dare ask? No, no, sorry, well, he's twenty one. <laughs> he's a kid wonder. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought. 20 but then, plus one. But then the maths didn't add up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've done a lot of studying and I, I don't necessarily look or act out all day, I mean, for, but age is just a number at the end of the day. I think that's why we get on because uh, everyone that knows me knows that I act like a child. But uh, that's a <laughs> separate topic. We're not going to get into that. I want to pick apart a few little bits. The first one to kind of go off piece a little bit. You mentioned about the idea of potentially one of your career paths <laughs> being a counsellor. And I thought it, it it was quite interesting because we've had conversations with a couple of practitioners on this podcast where they've kind of mentioned offhandedly that when you become a coach or a physiotherapist, your job is almost essentially being a counsellor at the same time. And I'm not trying to uh, discredit counsellors for what they do because they are specialists for what they do. But I noticed that it almost like our profession is almost a bridge to a lot of other different professions. Um, so do you find that like, even though you haven't kind of gone into counselling or down that route, you've sort of been able to actually have some influence whilst being a physiotherapist? And the second part to that question is, uh, I know that I'm just throwing you under the bus because uh, you had no idea that this question was coming, but what do you think the impact in kind of you being able to provide sort of physical advice versus actually being able to provide, you know, a little bit more love and care that people might potentially need more than uh, you actually telling them X, Y, and Z, do this exercise, do this exercise, so on and so forth. <laughs> so <laughs> it is a big question I'm not gonna lie. um with the influence of the counseling on, on like the seeing patient or whatnot i definitely do feel like it does mm. because you have to keep in mind that a lot of people come from not when they have an issue it's not that they're only in pain some it's just a pain and then they're not really that offered afterwards but then you have to keep in mind that if the pain's really bad or they have physical mobility issues that are 
really bad or impacting on their life it's actually quite devastating mentally i was looking at um a bit of research recently that basically it was either research or podcast sorry that basically said that when you have a athlete um not able to do for um sport because of an injury it's actually like they've actually gone through an existential crisis at the time because then they're brought into question what their purpose is now because their whole life is based around sport their whole like like work is based around sport and then that's taken away from them and it's the same with someone that does something um, like for sort of fitness recreationally so then if you're not addressing the mental side of things you'll find that people physically get better or they'll get better to the point and actually just stagnate and there's loads of skills that we physios use um, to help with things um because it can be actually quite easily neglected yeah so for instance Take, for instance, someone that's had, I don't know, a road traffic accident. They have broken leg, they have, I don't know, broken arm, some, like, lacerations here, there, everywhere. You rehab them, they're all better. But they're still not actually getting back to what they want to. Mm. If you... If you haven't checked actually they might actually have ptsd or show signs of that they're actually mentally struggling side of things because you have it all the time you have people that have like horrific injuries or even surgeries and actually traumatized from it afterwards so mm-hmm. it's definitely important to look at the mental side of things help with just counseling and guiding them towards things that are helpful helpful behavior avoid it um, preventing the fear avoidance and progressively going into things of course there's some cases where regardless of whether it's drotogasm etc that they're not able to do certain things but then your goal as a physicist is to try and get them to a point where they can manage things well they're not struggling as much and if they are struggling where can the support be put in place yeah um uh, does that answer the first question no that answers both of them actually i think i think uh without you even realizing it you just you just answered both the questions <laughs> no, um, so yeah that, that, that's that's the exact answer that not necessarily that i wanted but like uh you, yeah you did a great job of me throwing you under the bus and you somehow getting out under it um the second part to the question was you mentioned sports science now that's something that we have apart from weightlifting we have in common um where when I graduated university, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I knew what I was quite good at with physiology uh, and biomechanics. But outside of that, I I was pretty much just a generalist. And I feel like, I don't know if you share the same opinion, but I feel like sports science in general as a degree, if you don't, if you don't know specifically where you want to go, it can be a very difficult position to put yourself in once you've graduated because you are essentially just a generalist at everything you're good at lab work you might be good at biomechanics maybe video analysis and like where does that take you um that's not really a question that i had but i wanted to kind of get your opinion on that yeah no i definitely agree that the sports science degree is definitely a bit more general and very wrong you learn really good stuff like you said like a lot of the exercise prescription stuff has helped me actually a lot with what i do now mm. um but i think when someone considers doing a sports science degree just consider what your end goal is if you want to just do it for enjoyment great but if it's not going to get your job back out of it is that necessarily what you're after Mm. um and also it it's like i said just opens the doors to things so for instance with the sports science degree if i wanted to i could have done i don't know a master's in 
neurophysiology. I could have done a master's in biomechanics. I could have done a um, like advanced like sports science degree. Um, but it also helped me get into the physiotherapy side of things, mm. especially without having the A-levels. That was what was helpful for me in terms of doing it. Otherwise, it would have meant that I'd had to do at the time because I didn't have it, like, I don't know, three different A-levels. And paying for one A-level is quite a lot of money, let alone three of them at the same time. Yeah. While you're not working. Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm glad that we. I. I think a lot of us who graduate from sports science that don't necessarily have any specialist skills, know really where to go or where to take it. Um. I was just lucky that I kind of fell into what I enjoyed doing from, you know, learning through CrossFit, and I was like, oh wait a sec, actually, this is kind of fun. Like, I think I could probably be quite good at this coaching stuff, you know. And then I kind of after graduate, and I was like oh shit now I actually have to decide I have to actually earn money I can't just you know go to uni and just continue well I don't want to say go to uni and continue learning because people still do that they do masters and then PhDs and researchers and blah 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 but I knew that's for three years again yeah (laughs) I was gonna say I was like hold on I don't want to offend anyone here let's just retract that statement before I offend uh before I offend the person that we're actually trying to um get on the podcast um but yeah so yeah it's an inter- interesting story um i just wanted to pick those those few bits apart i had a little bit of a fun question for you which i don't think we've actually asked anybody and one that i actually heard i don't know if you guys have ever watched carpool karaoke or like um <laughs> have you ever watched like get coffee what? like coffee with oh yeah getting coffee with comedians yeah, that's yeah a good with one. jerry seinfeld the og yeah. one right yeah so I, I watched an episode and he, I think it was like Eddie Murphy, which I'm a huge fan of Eddie Murphy as a comedian. I think he's so intelligent with the the jokes that he tells and the kind of the way that he portrays himself. And Jerry Seinfeld said to him, um, you know, when you go to parties, like, what is it? If, if people don't know who you are, first of all, that was the first joke because it's Eddie Murphy. I'm sure almost everyone would know who Eddie Murphy is, at least if it's a party in Hollywood. But he's like, hypothetically, what's the most common question that you get asked when someone finds out what you do when you're at a party? So what I wanted to ask you, Prince, was what is the most common question that you get asked when someone finds out what you do and you're at a party and what do they want to know? <laughs> That's, That's a good question. question. I like that, Con. <laughs> It, it is and the first thing they usually do is just raise an eyebrow and surprise that ah you're a physio <laughs> and then it usually goes on the lines of well i have this question or i have this problem what do you think of this and then they start to list things off yeah. and uh, i don't mind it every now and then but then there's times when it's not not straightforward like um one time this was a straightforward case one of my friends um where i first met them they were like oh yeah like, what do you do with this it's like, oh yeah i've been having like this problem and then we're in the, i was pretty drunk at this point i i treated his shoulder <laughs> while we we're in the, the smoking area <laughs> and he, 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 he went to move his arm and it was absolutely fine afterwards not every wow. case is like that though. did you make him did you make him sign a consent form beforehand or <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think there was capacity for consent from either of us at that point. <laughs> um, That's funny. But no, you always get things like that. And um I would just say that if someone is going to do that when someone is a physio or like any profession, first off, just keep in mind they've been studying for a pretty long time to actually get to that point where they are able to like take the, those questions and responsibilities but also it's just be mindful of that it's, it's not going to be always something straightforward like there's been quite a few times when I've had people ask me and I was I'm like no like you have to like see me properly to do it because it's you have to go through the full assessment make sure everything is okay and click sound because then if you, it's not and you make a mistake and you miss it 
regardless of whether they you're um, just seeing them as a mate or not, you're you've automatically already taken responsibility. So then you're liable for whatever goes wrong. So then if they go, oh yeah, I have this back problem, and you haven't assessed it properly, treat them, and then they actually worse. It turns out it's some really horrific nerve ring that you've missed, and that's on that's on you and without mm. you meaning it to be yeah absolutely mm. and actually you bring up a really interesting point there about you know that it it a lot of people might treat on the surface what they think it is without actually asking questions you know a really good example is like lower back pain right when i was working at pure sports and they kind of said to us like there's this thing called non-specific lower back pain and yet although we know that's what it's called we can't necessarily say that to patients because it's basically us saying you've got back pain and i don't know what the fuck's wrong but it's there um and it's not necessarily that it just means that i can't or i mean i can't but the physios uh we you know it's so much harder to diagnose those problems i remember literally five five years ago um I used to know a friend who I'm not going to out. And if someone went to him for back pain, and it's not Prince, by the way, just a disclaimer, um, <laughs> they would go to Prince is a better Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I remember that that if he went to a physio, if someone went to a physio for back pain, he would just give them the McGill, the McGill big three, right? So the curl up, the side plank or the side bridge, if they couldn't do a side plank and bird dogs. And although they are exercises that are good within their own right, just doing those three exercises does not necessarily mean that it's going to alleviate every single type of lower back pain conceivable. Um, and I think that's why I was about to say what attracted me to you, but I de- I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> I'm taken. I'm sorry. Hello, <laughs> Martin, move out the way. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know I... if this is the right place to be this garden, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take this off there. Um, no, but one of the things that I think kind of I I gravitate the reason why I gravitated to you so much was that it wasn't always this kind of cut and dry answer. You know, it was a lot of like, well, it depends on this and it depends on this. And, and I think, um, you know, very much like your answers, it's never like black and white. It's always, it does depend. And I know that's a massive cop out when a lot of people say it depends, but honestly, contextually, it, it that does, it does depend on, on, on everything. Lower back pain might not be, you know, you're obviously the expert or, a lot more, uh, much more expertise than than myself uh, in terms of that area, but it might not even be physical, like you mentioned not five, 10 minutes ago. Um, I've no idea where I was going with that point, but I just wanted to bring Prince, that up. do you ever get, just to stay with um, what people say at parties, do you ever get people, when you tell them that you're a physio, do you ever get anyone sort of then explain your job to you? Because I, I remember um, witnessing a conversation actually at a party, and someone said that they was a they were a physio, and the person they were talking to then was like, "Oh, yeah, physio is really interesting." And you know, like I had I had lower back pain, and so I went to see sort of a massage therapist, and actually I found out through like reading up on physio stuff that actually I needed to strengthen my glutes. And the guy who was the physio, he's just stood there like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, I know this is kind of my job, but. <laughs> and, and in that case, that is really specific. Like, it's not necessarily always going to be just strengthening into the glutes. Like, a whole running <laughs> joke is that, oh, yeah, yeah, back pain strengthen the glutes. It's not always yeah. the case. You have some people with some really nasty stuff. But in terms of, like, that question, luckily, I haven't had that happen. Yes, um, but if that does happen, I think I probably would have a similar reaction to your mates. Yeah, <laughs> because there's no point in trying to like change their opinion on it. Like, if already they've already come to the conclusion that they're right in that sense, if you try and argue that no, actually, it's not this or not that, it just ends up turning into a, a, 
argument that has no ends and it's just not worth the headache like we all deal with enough stress at work and in our life let alone having the stress of a argument that has no end yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more i uh i feel like i get off pretty easy with that because when people ask me that question i usually just say i'm a personal trainer and then they'll, and then they'll what ask do you quite, get, what do people say well they'll usually just ask oh so i've got this fat around here how do i get rid of that <laughs> and i'm thinking <laughs> like to burning. myself i'm like listen man there's no easy answer <laughs> like you can't just go to the gym and just do a load of you can't say you can't say listen man and then not say anything listen, man. Like, i don't know minutes. listen man but sometimes also, i just go also... oh, i don't know i just go i don't know because it's just easier <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, with the whole thing of not knowing you're not necessarily always going to know the answer straight away with yeah. um people's things so early times where you'll assess them it doesn't really make sense you assess them again still doesn't make sense you get someone else to assess them it's makes a bit of sense but then sometimes it still doesn't make sense and then yeah. it's kind of working with other people as well to try and get to the answer things to try and make it so things do make sense yeah. so it's not always about getting things right the first time yeah and actually i think one of the most common things that that they ever say is they always go oh, i find it i always find it really hard to get into the gym like it's always always seems so overwhelming and i'm just thinking you realize that you're literally stood in front of someone who is paid to tell you exactly how to go from a to b that's my job like that's literally what i'm here to do and yet you can't put two and two together and go wait a sec you know how to do that why don't i pay you to do that but you know it's funny people want advice but that but as soon as you ask them to kind of go well listen this is my profession uh they're like oh no i, I don't think I, I don't think i'm ready for that oh, no. <laughs> and you, you do get cases like that as well because that's another thing in terms of like i guess pain beliefs as well if someone doesn't necessarily believe that something is going to be helpful or that that's the right thing you could give them all the evidence in the world and they'll still see it as being wrong yeah and it and sometimes this people just aren't ready to do stuff like i've had plenty of times when people said like oh, i have this on like i don't really feel ready for the physio right now or like oh, i think it's this and even other physios had it too or clinicians where they'll do something and then the patient or person's adamant that it's that they'll do it it'll it may work or it won't work and then yeah but we're here for that clarification later on yeah is the is the converse of that true um in your opinion where that maybe there's a practice that's a bit alternative or isn't really backed by much but the patient really really believes that it's gonna work um and does that then have a positive effect on their recovery from your experience so, if any so what you're going on about is basically a placebo effect so it does happen and there's quite a few cases where people do experience like a benefit from it it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is in their head no because it's usually that there's a physical problem but then that's helped improve their pain belief to get them out of that aggressive cycle mm. so in that case if like like as much as the scientific evidence may say no it's not as helpful or it's not helpful at all mm. for some people it's the clinical picture of just looking at the person on a one-to-one basis and going oh actually this wouldn't necessarily work for it shouldn't necessarily make them better or have a longer effect but it does so then you treat the what the whole clinical picture as a whole and if they're happy with going on about their way with that you just have to give them the information and then um, knowledge to educate them that this may not necessarily be your answer you can still do it if you want to or i advise you not to do it but then that's 
that that is your choice and like we're we can't stop you from doing that yeah for sure and i guess that's why they also sign lots of documents as well right for you to say listen this is what i've told you to do uh and this is what i'm educated in and that's like I'll give you an example i go and see dana for treatment um and when i first started seeing th this was actually when i was seeing you for my for my patella tendonitis and i i'm a shit patient right prince will know this he gave me some exercise to do did i do them <laughs> no no I, didn't. Didn't. no I didn't i didn't listen to him right even though <laughs> i'm just the worst patient ever and um, i'm just as bad <laughs> yeah and i'm pretty sure that actually prince mentioned to me whilst i was having some treatment with him some soft tissue work he was like oh maybe you should try like some cupping and and some more kind of i don't know what you would describe that novel strategies i guess um, um... i wouldn't even complimentary you very mean passive treat complimentary yeah yeah so i went to uh dana to get some acupuncture or dry needling um because it's slightly different i guess and uh i was like nah there's no way that this shit's gonna work and she stuck a few needles i'm not an expert by the way so i'm just gonna say how it is she stuck <laughs> she a few stuck needles, needles in me. she stuck a few needles around my knee put some cups on my quads. We did some active movement um, and the tendonitis didn't, it didn't like, obviously it didn't just, like, it's not freaking voodoo magic. Like it didn't just disappear. But then I was like, okay, well now my knee is better. Maybe I should actually go and do the physio exercises that Prince has set me. <laughs> and uh, I feel like just that brief period of, reducing inflammation or whatever uh dry needling and cupping did allowed me to then go okay well now i actually feel comfortable i can go and do prince's physio exercises and since then touch wood please god because paternity nights is fucking atrociously horrible <laughs> um it's it's been good ever since and that was like two years ago um so yeah i guess i was sort of just adding to the conversation there of what's your opinion on uh, I know this is a very charged question. Um, what's your opinion on dry needling, soft tissue work, i.e. sports massage, and, and cupping? So... I've just thrown... <laughs> We're not even under a bus anymore. Shots are fired freaking train. <laughs> Go on, let's see just how you do it. Go on, lad. <laughs> so, they all have their place. So, we're with um, massage and the acupuncture, you'd likely get short-term relief is what most of the research would say. Some people do get quite a lot of pain relief from um, acupuncture, uh, dry needling or the um, tissue work, but it's really person-specific and problem-specific. It's With the soft tissue work, it's usually if there's a tightness that's related to muscle length it doesn't necessarily mean that a muscle is shorter it just means it's just tighter up in and it's just prefer it layman in layman size it just prefers a shorter position yeah. so then trying to stretch it, it just feels actually quite painful that then you do the massage eases it off and then you can stretch it a bit more and acupuncture and dry needling can do that in terms of pain science with that, I'm not too sure. It's not my specialty, but people do find that it's actually quite helpful. And there's even some people who, for instance, have cancer find that it's actually quite a good form of treatment for them um, just to help with managing symptoms, um, especially when they've done, for instance, like chemotherapy. But I think it's just checking whether it's appropriate for them with their um the um, oncologists at the time yeah um with the cupping though i'm a bit skeptical from that i don't know the full ins and outs of it so it basically it you basically suction onto a skin area it creates a massive bruise around the area and it's meant to promote blood flow to the idea of it's meant to flow 
blood flow to the area to help remove toxins, et cetera, yada, yada. Um, but in, I'm skeptical of the fact that you're doing enough, let's just say per se, damage to the person's soft tissue to cause a bruise to then relieve things. So then in that respect, would it make more sense to just punch them in the arm or something to just cause the same bruise to have the same effects um, so I, I'm a bit skeptical on that side of things like the comments section can go crazy rip me to shreds I, I, I don't like it I, I, like I said All I'm not too sure Prince's opinions are his own by the way Absolutely. they don't represent necessarily those at the podcast I've had some insane pain relief from acupuncture yeah. And and I I like how you say that, that they have their place as well because so I remember in 2019 when we had the Asian Championships uh, we were out there for with two and a half weeks and we had a, a human physio um, I say human physio because we also had quad physios there yeah yeah um, we got it we had a, <laughs> a human physio out there with us like our team physio and his sort of role was and the way he he explained it was like he can't in that period of time especially that close to competition we have to be feeling good so you can't be doing treatments that would get us you know things that make us hurt more before it gets better um for example like extremely deep tissue work and things like that yeah and so Actually, he did a lot of dry needling as well as sort of movement work and then a little bit of soft tissue work, but then relied quite actually quite heavily on the dry needling and the acupuncture that he did sort of on the side. And at least for me, I found that because it was, it wasn't invasive, or I guess it is invasive, like sticking needle, but it wasn't causing a lot of damage and causing a lot of pain as necessarily you know, a lot of deep tissue work would, it allowed me to still feel good and be able to ride and whatever without feeling much pain, but also relieving a lot of the symptoms I was was feeling before. So I just thought that was quite an interesting, you know, like way of alleviating or balancing the two needs from that from that mm. position and that the context. And that's definitely where those sort of things are quite helpful, especially in those contexts, because you, you're specifically performing to quite a high level, You well, a very high level. So, um, you, you needed that short-term <laughs> relief for, <laughs> the, um, um, for your competitions, et cetera. And even with um, people as well, sometimes it's worthwhile just doing it just also to get them on board and actually see actually know there are actually benefits to doing the physio side of things so let's do the like soft tissue work or acupuncture to get you that little bit better so you feel a bit better doing the activities mm. and then once you that's happened let's combine it with the exercise or whatnot to try and be a bit more longer term relief like yes the end goal is always to try and um, get people like better long term or less pain long term um, but in those particular cases you also need to think about the way the short term benefit with the long term gain as well mm -hmm. so for you it's that you are competing you needed that short term reef there and then if you didn't have it you'd have it would de be detrimental to your performance which could then cascade in it being even more detrimental further on down the line with your other performances so then yeah it, weighing it out then th that would be the right decision and which it clearly was otherwise it, it, you would probably be worse off if it wasn't the right decision <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. It would have been worse off though if it wasn't the right decision. Uh, but I also didn't do very well. But I think I'm, I don't uh, think I can blame that on the physio. But um, you could try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people have tried. I can try everything, but you know, and it goes back again actually to sort of the like we we're talking earlier about the sort of mental side of the psychological links that these. Um, 
physical things happen and you know you're treating not only the physical patient but also their their psychological self as well um and you know what you said earlier with that kind of with athletes going through injury and that existential crises that they might face we've we've spoken about this before on the podcast i think about sort of that loss of identity or, or that you know not being able to feel like you have a purpose because that's been taken away from you because your physical self can't do the thing that you're meant to be doing anymore and i think it's it's really interesting the fact that as a physio like yourself you know you're you constantly have to be thinking about not only you know i guess what pain they're feeling what are the symptoms like what are the the what's the treatment but also how that affects them mentally and how that affects them mentally in the long term you know like you said earlier like a bad performance because of a specific treatment plan that maybe wasn't the best can lead to bad performances later down the line like are those all things that in practice and in, in your as a clinician in your practice like do you have to consider and weigh up all of those things and you know have you have you any you know cool examples of it cool examples <laughs> um because i'm i have i don't necessarily have an example off the bat for it but it's definitely you also obviously have to, to protect um confidentiality mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's, it's that too, but it's, <laughs> I, it's it's not really a specific example that I can think of. It's probably because my brain's fried from today. Anyway. Um, but in, also, it's just worth keeping in mind, I should have mentioned earlier, with the psychological side of things, there's a limit to what we do. Like, we're not therapists at the end of the yeah. day. So yeah. we would always, we're there also to flag those particular issues and then sign people over off mm. to, uh, sign post people over to where they should need to go because at the end of the day the psychologists are the specialists uh, and the psychiatrists are specialists in that area um, and if someone needs that help there they should be signposted over to them mm. um but then we're there to also help consider that okay right this you're avoiding doing this action because it's painful or you think it's painful let's see whether it is truly painful or not if it's not painful but you're still avoiding it why you're still avoiding it because you're in that fear avoidance cycle so then it's just trying to break things like that and um yeah uh, did i go off a bit off topic with that i think no, that's, uh, that's that's no yeah. that's, that answers the question well and i think it's got me thinking as well obviously the psychological effects of say breaking a leg or, or you know breaking a tibia is could be very drastically different between someone who has a sedentary job nine to five and someone who squats 200 kilos <laughs> like that <laughs> the the difference in i guess the the impact that it has on them would be would be pretty big um with those things like and, and obviously you from what you said like there's been that quite a bit of experience and and working with different patients of different of different um problems and different types of people i suppose what's the biggest lessons you've learned from from your career so far as a physiotherapist i guess um, i would say i guess it's have a bit more trust in my what i know and what i don't know because it's really easy to have a lot of self-doubt. I, I admittedly do. So I always question things of like, oh, did I get this right? Did I get that right? Oh, did I missed this. Was it better that I done A or B? Um, but at, at the end of the day, I'm not putting the patient at risk of 
anything in particular. Like, and we um, we always screening for things like the red flags, yellow fractures, red fractures, yellow flags, yada yada. Um, but I think that is probably the main thing, and also it's it's really easy to just doubt yourself when you have those mm. different complex presentations in front of you but that's where it's good to have a good team that supports you and if you and this is just advice to anyone like if you don't feel like you have adequate support where you're being challenged constantly unfairly like you're like yes you may be making a Mistakes, but are you making them because you're, for instance, really nervous about stuff? Are you making the mistakes because you're not wanting to approach people because they're they're either unapproachable, or if you go to them, they're not necessarily going to give you a helpful answer or help guide you? Then it's worth like reconsidering whether it's worth being in a different environment or like what is going to help you get out of that self-doubt cycle it will be hard to like move on and try and find something else but it is that once you have found where I guess that self-doubt becomes less or you start to get the support that you need you'll find that you'll flourish and that you won't necessarily always have to be doubting everything you do yeah i like that answer i think it's different because it's not one specific thing um and i guess that really proves to me as well and that also resonates with me that it's not necessarily admitting that you don't know everything because we certainly don't but it's just proving that stuff changes and as long as you can continue to stay with the research that is improving on current conditions but also be able to well two re two things understand the person that's in front of you and the patient because everyone is very different and to not kind of assume but then also to be able to take some of that historical research and go okay well this is what they've presented with this is what some of the research says this is what some of the re new research says. So now I need to kind of make a somewhat of informed decision. Um, and that's never cut and cut and dry. Um, and I guess, you know, where, where, where are only really speaking about this? You've been in the industry for two years, right? Pra at least practicing you've been in the industry for two years. It's still mm -hmm. such a small amount of time. And yet I still feel like you undervalue your knowledge and the experience that you have because you know you've worked with you've you've must have worked with so many different people and you are such a humble person that like i know for a fact i've referred weightlifters to you in within weeks maybe even a month uh and i know that it's not always a time frame thing especially with injuries but mm -hmm you're always able to get people from a to b and just the level of service you provide it's just personal. And I think that makes a difference that it you're not just like, it's not a conveyor belt. You're not just churning people out and going right next, 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 next. Um, you know, so that's, I think that's what resonates with me and also why, you know, we're not only just good friends, but also like I just mentioned, I refer people out to you as well because you're a trusted practitioner and I really like the way that you go about doing things, your thought process and, you know, it's just professional. Um, it's a friendly and professional way to do things. So I just wanted to commend you on that because I don't think you do do you. I don't think you do yourself enough justice. So I wanted to to big you up a little bit before before we move on. Um, the last one I wanted to go with is I know that there is an abundance now of information and the stuff coming out of our ears of this stuff's good for you, this stuff's bad for you. Don't do this exercise. Um, what I would like to like go into to kind of finish off with is, is there anyone specifically in the industry that you look up to, um, and you think you learn from, and also are there people that you, you have found kind of moving away from their kind of ideologies because of certain topics? 
and that's another big question. I'm just, I'm just going for the jugular now. We don't, we don't mess about here. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me, God? I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I've got a few actually. I look up to, I guess. Um, so there's like, for one, I must admit, like it. They don't necessarily do stuff on social media, but I was um, taught by them. There was a um, physio um, called Massimo, like absolutely outstanding, like teacher and physio, like everyone that I've ever spoken to that's um, met him or had to um, be taught by him was like, it's just absolutely outstanding. He had a really good structure, always was like trying to get you thinking in a methodical way and which challenge things actually really well. Um, but in terms of people that people think are other places or people that people do have access to, um, rather than bombarding him with emails, um, <laughs> you, there was um, eFreeHab. I think they do a really good job of just getting basic information out there and just um, doing it really well as well. And um, there are a couple of of videos and whatnot that have been quite helpful. And even I've used it and looked at things that, and learned from it too. Um, there's also um, physio tutors. Um, like everyone, all the physios will know like physiopedia. Like it's like a little cheat cheat sheet if we're having any um like quick issues or wanting to have a look at something quickly at a glance. And yeah. their their stuff is actually really good. They have the that website. They do like loads of videos on clinical testing on like some of the research stuff. They have a really good podcast as well. Um, other. There are a few other leaders and whatnot, but I, I just can't remember them because there's so many of them. There's also um, actually, um, think of it. There's the guys from Clinical Edge. Um, there was Jill and um, someone else on there to do really good stuff on shoulder rehab. Um, if you haven't um, looked at it before, um, definitely worthwhile looking into, especially for just low, lower level exercise and building up uh, methodically um, but in terms of ones that have stayed away from I, I did there are some stuff from you already know which I'm going to mention <laughs> <laughs> squat university oh, <laughs> you're telling me that you didn't is... buy those clown shoes <laughs> I do actually have those clown shoes <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, like they're wrong the stuff is really um like good in some respects but then i think in in some cases it just goes too far the other direction of things is this is this the one where he's he'd be like safety trap bar squatting on a bosu ball while doing bicep curls or something like that like that kind of vibe Oh, no, no I so... know who you're talking about, but I stay away from that with a passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Joel Seedman you're thinking of. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, um, please don't try those exercises. Too late. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, I'm going to get so much stick from fight. people now thinking like, wait, do you get Yushan on a BOSU ball? <laughs> you know what? I actually had the idea of, do you know the reel that I put out for like equestrian training or specifically for inventing? Um, I actually had the idea of the first clip being me doing something on a BOSU ball and then just fucking launching the BOSU ball like in the opposite direction. <laughs> and I realized, actually, I'm not going to do that because I feel like in our industry, it's far easier to tear people down than it is yeah. to actually just go, you know what? Don't even bother giving them the light of day because the reason they continue to be so famous or infamous is because people hate on it. But if you just ignored it, it would go away. It wouldn't be there. Well, um, people would realize, you know, eventually that it's a load of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you would hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so they, uh, all, they also have its place as well. Like, yes, like the Joel Seaver stuff is a bit out there in terms of exercises. But if you're looking for 
really weird and wonderful exercises just to make training interesting yeah. and fair enough mm, like if you exactly. want to do it you do you give it a go i'm i'm not gonna stop you i'm not gonna yeah. um condone you or or like advocate for you doing that sort of thing and even with for instance the squat university stuff like it it does keep going on about the tripod foot but actually just having a simple explanation like that for some people is actually really helpful and yeah. i've used it with quite a few um, people before and it's it makes some people it makes their squat go from the worst thing ever yeah, since actually yeah. being like perfect um whereas others you get them to do that and it doesn't work it's just different cues works for different people yeah. and then from that it's just using your clinical judgment and knowledge to figure out what you or what thing is best for the person that's in front of you yeah absolutely i i think i'm this i i kind of think along the same lines like i used to be a big advocate for and i guess i still am for squat university but what i what i don't particularly like anymore is that he's gotten so popular that now he's kind of brandishing exercises as don't do this or don't do it this way or you know, you shouldn't do this. You should lift in these shoes and these shoes are being sold by me. So you should get these shoes. And I'm kind of just like, okay, I get it. You know, you started off as being and still continue to be a very good practitioner within your own right and physio. But at the same time, you're now so far removed from the information that you used to give us that was just solid sound advice, like the tripod foot, like mobility exercises Whereas now it none of that ever comes up. Like that's not his content anymore. And it's just such a shame that he's felt the need to have to go down this route of try and make as much money as possible and basically throw everything else under the bus. And he's been criticized for being a hypocrite hundreds, maybe thousands of times by people on, on his social media page. I ended up just unfollowing it because I was like, listen, if I'm if I'm not contributing anything good to this page and I don't particularly like the way that he's doing things, why does it matter to me? Unfollow done. Now it's out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. I've got other battles and other problems to solve. I can let the uh, keyboard warriors do that stuff for me. Um, and I'm sorry to stop you. Just had to add on to that because at the, and no, it's like the whole thing of me going, oh, but it could be this. But, but at the end of the day, we don't know his like personal story per se. He could be doing it for that way for a specific reason. Yes, it could be a money thing. It could also be more of an algorithm thing. So he gets more traction so that he, people go, oh, like there's this person. He's doing this. He's quite good. Let me see him. So it's a way of getting people to um, more of a patient flow into things. And yeah. yes, it's not necessarily the right approach to things, but then you also have to keep taking into consideration the bigger picture. Um, and there's always a particular why. It could easily be straightforward that, like, yes, it's money, but it could also be other reasons that we're just not aware of and we may not even ever know. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's a solid point again, sir um <laughs> where where can people connect with you and find you if they do want to get treatment um if they want some advice um how do they get in touch with you i was going to say how do they find you but i was like that's kind of a stalkerish way of saying it so there you go don't give your postcode if you don't want to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um they can get a hold of me through um my I have like a business account. I'd need to do more on it. I just haven't. It's PH Sports Rehab. Um, otherwise, my personal one is Principality um, on Instagram. Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has a nice ring to it. What can yeah, I say? Or, every they can, <laughs> <laughs> or they can email me at um, ph um, sports rehab at um, gmail.com as well. And I'll, uh, that's always on my phone. I'll check it quite regularly as well. Perfect. I shall add those in, sir. And uh, yeah, I guess thank you so much for giving up. Well, probably about an hour, a bit more of your time. Uh, I know that you've got clinical notes to finish and you probably haven't even eaten dinner yet. So we're going to let you go. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah.
um thank you so much for coming on guys if you want to connect with prince um then i will put the his instagram bio down in the down in the description of the podcast thank you so much for tuning into this episode of into the unknown we will catch you on the next one peace and if your back hurts strengthen the group (laughs) (laughs) goodbye Thank you so much for joining us into the unknown. Uh, If you want to connect with us and get in touch, you can find out more about me at Stoke Strength Systems on Instagram and Connor Lift Stuff for my business page. And you can find me at at yushan.su.eventing on Instagram, yushan.su.eventing on Facebook and suyushaneventing.com. And if you want to get a bit more engaged, Uh, with our community and you liked this episode please like and subscribe uh, follow on the on on spotify and we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics so please drop them in the comments catch you next week